Hit Radio 100, my name is Raiden Carter, and a good afternoon to you. We are in studio with Independent Guahan. Michael Lujan Bavacqua is here with us, and Lawrence Lazama today is going to be the man who is running the show. I'm just here to make sure everything's just fine. And we will be passing that towards Lawrence right now. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Raiden, again, for helping us out today. You're absolutely welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, so we'd like to continue our decolonization conversation here at Hit Radio, uh, focusing on education and decolonization. Uh, Right now, we have Keisha Borja Kitsutsu Calvo on the line. Hafadeh Keisha. Hafadeh Lawrence, Hafadeh Toto Hamzu, Tidus Masi for this opportunity to talk about um, education and decolonization here in Guahan. So would you just like to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about yourself and your experience uh, in education? Sure. So um, right now I'm a PhD candidate at UH Manoa, and I'm currently an adjunct instructor at the University of Guam. Um, So in terms of my experience with education, I'm a former high school language arts teacher, and then I've been at the University of Guam for about eight years. Um, teaching all kinds of classes, um, but the last um, set of classes that I was teaching before I left to get my PhD was um, were education classes. So I did teach in the School of Education, um, and I was able to I have to give a shout out to Defunta, Dr. Benedita Kamacho Dinka, as well as um, Dr. Unaisi Nabobo Baba, who's a Fijian professor, um, because. The work that they did over there at the School of Education was, um, or their research, excuse me, and their teaching contributions were really focused on decolonizing education for Pacific Islander communities. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, that's kind of my relationship as an as an educator with teaching um, high school students and college students. Yes, um, uh, I was just uh, wondering too. Um, how different it is is it for you and uh, having that experience teaching in high school and then now in college as well? Um, you know, I as a as a high school teacher and I guess even as a college instructor, you know, there there are definitely challenges in in teaching topics related to decolonization in our in these classes, right? So, as an English teacher, um, there are certain times because we follow our, our Guam Department of Education system follows U.S. based. Um, standards and curricula and pedagogies were typically held to kind of those kind of policies and and parameters and so they, they can be quite limiting in a lot of ways but at the same time for myself you know um, let me just give you a little backstory I guess I didn't learn about decolonization for Tsamorus or Tsamorus self-determination or even the fact that we were colonized until I was 18 years old when I left Guahan for college. And it wasn't until I went to Hawaii and I started learning about Hawaiians through the work of um, a Hawaiian scholar activist named Hanani K. Trask. When I read her work about Hawaiians, I was like, man, that sounds really similar to, you know, what's happening to my people in Guahan or what happened to my people. And um, when I came back after graduating and I, and I went into the high school as a teacher and then into UOG, I said, that's really unfortunate that I had to learn about who I was as a Samoan about my history when I left home. 
And I didn't want that kind of experience for my students. And so I made a promise to myself that as a teacher, I would do my best to make sure that my students were connected while they were here. And whatever their plans were, well, if they chose to stay here at home or if they chose to leave, um, at least, you know, they were able to, to stay connected or to reconnect with our history and our culture while they're here. Um, and so, yeah, as a high school teacher, you know, especially because these were students who were going to be graduating soon and, you know, they, a lot of them were, you know, they, they might have left for college or um, for military service or what have you. And so I just wanted to make sure that I, I did my best to um, teach them about decolonization in, in different ways. And so I did that through mostly through literature as an English teacher. I was a, I was a creative writing teacher for a few years and there was no, I was not provided with a textbook. So for, if you can imagine <laughs> the stress of, you know, teaching a whole class for a whole year without a textbook. Um, so I basically created my own book and I um, provided my students with specific literature um, and, you know, a lot of that literature focused on colonial histories of Bohan, but also of the greater Pacific region. Um, also issues of settler colonialism and culture and, and things like that. So um, that, that was really um, um, a good opportunity, I guess. So, I, you know, it could have been seen as a limitation, but I tried to take that opportunity um, and run with it <laughs> in terms of, you know, having the flexibility to, you know, the academic freedom to kind of expose students to things that they otherwise would not have been exposed to, right? Um, because they won't have those kind they don't Typically in the DOE, um, they won't be exposed to Samoru literature or Pacific literature in their regular English classes in, at the high school level. Mm -hmm. And then there's no Pacific literature class um, offered in the GDOE. So, um, yeah, it was kind of cool to be able to have that freedom to do that yeah. in a way. Yeah, no, I, um, I can definitely relate to your experience as well because... Yeah, I went to Seattle for four years before I moved back in 2017. And that's where I truly felt that, like, that loss of culture. I felt, you know, I was taken out of my community. And then all of a sudden, you just feel like you don't belong. But then it, it gave me that, uh, that drive to really learn about our history. And that's where I started my... Uh, tomorrow language journey as well as just picking mm. up uh, the topping book and reading that on my spare time when I was living out there and for me it, it was just really important to truly know who I am as a tomorrow and then being able to uh, perpetuate that uh, especially in a, the correct way to people that were living out there because they always felt that uh, you know I swear, or at least when they look at me they're like oh you're Mexican or Filipino <laughs> like no nah, man I'm Chamorro <laughs> we're from Guam <laughs> but that yeah that just being able that's, that's what's so crazy is that we had to be taken out of our community to understand what we were lacking right right and like I said you know that was that was an experience that I didn't want if, if I could help it as a teacher I didn't want my students to have and you know it was really um, unbelievable that you know, when I was teaching in the high school, I would ask my students you know, at the beginning of every school year 
can you name me a Tsamoru author, a Tsamoru poet? Can you name me any other poet or author from the Pacific? And for the most part, they couldn't do that. They really struggled to name people of, of our community who were who are authors or poets. And um, But they could more easily identify, you know, British authors and American authors. And so, you know, it, it always, like, kind of, it was it was unbelievable, and then you know towards the end of the the school year, they'd be like, I didn't know that there were all of these different Pacific authors. I didn't know that you know um, there were all these di- different Tomoto authors. Or so that's my auntie, you know. Like I, I showed like Anne Hattori once up on the screen, and um, uh, Dr. Anne Hattori, and one of my students was like, That's my auntie, <laughs> and and I didn't know you know that's what she did, or um, I just see her as my auntie, right? <laughs> so it's really. Um, it was really cool to see them make those connections, you know, not just with, um, they connected to the literature, but they also could connect to the issues, right, that, that were being written about in these, mm-hmm. in these poems or stories or essays. Yeah, and I feel like you, you really see, um, you know, you see yourself reflected in, in seeing that there's a tomorrow author, a tomorrow poet. And it's, that's so important for our youth, especially, to see themselves in those positions because it gives them alternatives other than what they're usually told is, like, means to be successful, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. you know, getting them out of that pipeline to join the military, getting them out of that pipeline that might lead them to DOC, you know, it, it's really important for them to see, like, I can do better than that. I can, I'm able to be an author or be a poet, be... Uh, a governor even you know just seeing that their ancestors were able to do it so why can I right right and I know it was spoken about earlier with Sam um, you know like just having having control now of our narratives or and having agency and being able to you know contribute to those creations of our narratives and to take control of how we want to be represented um, and even at that at that age at that of these high school students it was really um, just really beautiful to watch their transformation of, you know, I don't know, I, I didn't know these, you know, things existed to, oh, I can do this now. And and I want to give a shout out to the, the former Sinanganti Youth Movement because at the time they were, you know, Poetry Sam was a big deal and, and a lot of kids who would go up and spit their poems, they, their themes really did cover issues related to colonization and decolonization, and it was definitely an outlet for them. Um, but it was also a way of connecting to community, um, which I think is a, it has a lot to do with our decolonization movement, right? It's about connecting with each other um, and, and kind of getting rid of the us versus them binary. Um, and, and really working together, whether it's with other Tsamorus from, you know, from other villages, from the other islands, um, or even non-Tsamoru allies, you know, who can help us um, to to achieve our, our self-determination. Um, and that was something else that I think I, I've tried to do as a teacher. I always remind students, if, if whether you're Tsamoru or you're not Tsamoru, if Guahan is your home, then we all have a, a responsibility and obligation to not only take care of this place, but to give the utmost respect to the indigenous people of this place. And we have been colonized for centuries. And it is time that we all work together to seek, you know, true decolonization for our people, true self-determination. Um, and, that, and I just wanted to mention, I think I'm, I'm almost out of time, but in my college classes, um, 
um, I kind of did the same thing, right? There's not always textbooks for these classes. You kind of have a lot more academic freedom at the college level. And so, um, we, you know, a lot of us may get, I know may get to a little younger, we'd all, you know, kind of meet up or share ideas for course readers and, and create course readers for our students and, and incorporate literature from, from here and from our region, which um, focus on, on these issues, again, of colonization or decolonization. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to mention is I, I did these cool activities with my college students um, where I do these like simulation exercises um, talking about uh, who has, you know, who, who's able to make the decisions like with the military buildup. And so as we know, right, it, it's Japan, the United States, and then every once in a while, Okinawa. Um, but Guahan is not included in, in this decision-making process. And so I have students... Um, uh, become, you know, the Japanese leaders, become the American leaders, and they all have a seat at the table. Um, and then the Samoans have to sit behind them, like at another table with their, their mouths taped shut mm-hmm. to kind of, um, you know, indicate, right, that, that we have no voice, we've never had a voice or a choice in this entire build-up um, process and the way that it's played out. And students um, usually are, especially the ones who play the role of the Tsumotas and Guan, are just, they're so angry because they can't believe that this, this really, literally is what it, what it is like, right? I mean, just a few weeks ago to Japan and, and the U.S. met up at the Air Force Base, and we weren't even invited to that table, to that meeting. And so um, I, I try to show my students, like, you know, having no voice and no choice for a people when this is our home and we can't protect it in the way that we always need to and want to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, <laughs> it's an injustice, right, to our people. And so doing those kinds of exercises, I think, really helps to um, make physical, right, uh, what what we are experiencing and, and what we read about, right? It, it puts it, takes what's on paper and puts it into actual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's something that I, I think I try to do as well with my with my students. Yeah, just that scenario you just described just reminds me of all the different uh, historical or political cartoons that always depict the colonies, and you just see how the colonies were always depicted as little kids uh, sitting behind Uncle Sam or whoever world leaders at the time, and. Um, Especially there's one with Uncle Sam and then a little kid with his shirt that says Guam on it and it says, uh, the caption says, more and more like his dad every day. And then you see, yeah, yeah right. and you see how they're almost like the same height, but then it's not that Guam is growing. It's that they're adding these uh, s- steps pretty much that doesn't necessarily grow Guam. But it's just adding these systems that still continue to um, pretty much oppress us today. Right, right, right. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're just a little uh, out of time. But I would like to thank you, Keisha, uh, for calling in today and sharing your perspective. Because our community really you know, really needs it. And I, and I heard that earlier too, um, come on, that the, your kind of um, viewership and readership is, has grown um, mm-hmm. so much even just during this time. So that's, that's so good to hear.
So while we're waiting on the line for uh, Nicole Quintanilla, our next speaker who will be coming on, uh, I want to thank uh, you, Lawrence, for really coming on to the show today. I'm I'm learning a lot, and I think right now we've got Nicole on the line. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Off a day. Off a day, Nicole. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, we're just uh, you know usual COVID stuff, but. Happy to be in the studio for once. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, would you just like to introduce yourself a little bit and uh, talk about your background and education? Sure. Um, Buenas. My name is Nicole Quintanita. I am a Guam history teacher at, uh, in the Department of Education at the high school level. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, listening to Keisha talking about, you know, her, her journey uh, through education and um, her teaching at the high school and then her teaching in the college because I was Keisha's student in, in high school. <laughs> I took her uh, creative writing class and that really like started me on my whole journey. And then when I was in college, I took Keisha again a couple times for English classes and for education classes. So she's really like followed me or I followed her through this whole education journey that I'm on. Yeah, I mean, uh, currently I'm her student too, so, <laughs> you know, she she always provides a really great material in our classes, and it's something that constantly challenges my thinking, even though, you know, I'll have whatever education I had in decolonization, it still challenges me to this day. Um, but yeah, I would like, would you like to just talk about uh, how you incorporate these topics into your curriculum? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like Keisha said, when she was doing her creative writing class, they didn't have textbooks. For Guam history, they have textbooks, and I know they're developing newer textbooks, but the current books we have is actually like, it's like a fourth grade level textbook. Mm. So, you know, I try not to use it. Um, so what I did is I went and I used all of the course readers that I had throughout my undergrad because I got my undergrad degree in... Um, history and tomorrow studies and then I got my master's in education so, or in teaching so all of the course readers from even I even used Keisha's course reader back when I was in high school I still use that course reader I use Dr. Anhatori's course reader Dr. Bavakwa's course readers like any course reader that I came across during my undergrad with tomorrow studies I used it in, I use it in my class today because it is very counter canonical. You know, mm, it goes yeah. again. It, it it talks about decolonization from an islander perspective. You know, um, a lot of times our students are very um, their their focus is not from the islander point of view, or whatever they're reading or studying is not from an islander point of view. So I always try and kind of shift their their thinking. You know, and I think it really, you know, it really worked using all those course readers. And then, of course, you know, because I teach Guam history and we're on Guam, a lot of the students find it easier to connect the the history, you know. And then when I'm teaching them, they're like, oh, wow, miss, I didn't know that we went through that. I didn't know that we, you know, that that happened to us. I didn't know that all these things happened. I didn't know we didn't even have these rights. You know, a lot of my students, like, don't even know we don't get the right to vote for president, you know. So 
trying to teach them the laws and trying to teach them how, you know, our history, it kind of in itself is a whole, like, lesson on decolonization because they kind of come to the conclusion themselves, you know? I, I don't try and shove it down their throats or I don't try and say, hey, you should support this or, hey, you should support that. They, they look at the facts that I give them and the facts that they research themselves and then they come to the conclusion that, wow, we really need to decolonize. We can't live in the status quo that we have, you know? So um, I do try and have them do, like, at the end of the school year, they do a debate so those classes get divided into the different political, um, the different statuses, and then they debate with each other, and then at the end they all vote on what they think they would want the island to go towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's such a good way to implement that because you know you're not you're not shoving it down their throat pretty much. You're really letting them discern what they they feel is they want. And being able to analyze the statuses and think critically about these issues is something so important because you don't want to just keep keep uh, creating sheep, you know. They, they're they able to think critically about these things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about um, taking Keisha's classes. Like, before I took her class in high school, I didn't really know about decolonization or independence or anything, you know, really political until I took her creative writing class and, you know, it really opened my eyes and Keisha was, like, very respectful. You know, she didn't tell anybody, like, oh, vote for independence. All the other um, political statuses are wrong. She, you know, let us come to our own conclusions and respected our own conclusions, but she gave us the tools to get there. And so that's what I try and perpetuate in my own classroom Mm. yeah no that that's so great and i'm really happy to hear that as well especially you know knowing that we're uh we're around the same age and we're really coming into that uh that part of our lives where we're have to we're gonna have to take over these roles soon so yeah i would just like to say uh to you for calling in today as well thanks for having me for sure Hey, well, all right. Sijus Masi, Sigwenzama, Lawrence Lazama for for running this episode. And so I want to remind everyone out there that every Saturday in September, Independent Guahan owns the 4 to 5 p.m. slot on Hit Radio 100 Guam. And, remember, and next Saturday, we have a very different conversation. Next Saturday, we're going to have the phone lines open. You can call in. And I think I'm going to give a free T-shirt away to anybody who calls in to ask a question. Wow. Follow us on social media to learn more about that. But we've got a lot of nice designs, T-shirt designs, different colors out there that people may enjoy. And so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to learn more. But next week, the focus will be on the questions that the community has. What are questions you have about these issues? And we're going to do our best to answer them. But Sidus Masi Tatlun Hamzu Independent Guahan is an organization that is committed to educating the public about the importance of decolonization and the possibility should we seek to become an independent country. And that is it for me. Thank you again, Carter. Thank you so much, Michael Luhan Bavakwa and Lawrence Lazama. And I forgot to mention that I've actually known Lawrence for the better part of most of our lives. Yeah, probably since like first grade. Right, it's been a long time. So thank you guys for coming into the studio, talking about independent Guahan and education 
and in how important it really is in our community to teach well everyone young and what we've learned today really that no matter what age you're gonna find out somehow and it's always good to be a part of the conversation so thank you so much we are KOKU FM in Hagatnya Guam a division of Moy Communications Hit Radio 100